Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. This is season six of Syracuse Speaks. Let's get started. Welcome to 2024, listeners of this podcast. Hello, we are back. It's been a while since I've sat down and talked with you all this last episode Uh, the last episode of this podcast was in the middle of December. I appreciate everybody's patience with the holidays and, you know, me feeling like I wanted to take a break. Thank you all so much. I appreciate that you came back now that we are here. And I just want to say for a podcast that I started in 2019 as a little bit of a labor of love and as a way to see how I could get this type of project into my own classroom. Um, you know, it, it was unfortunate that the pandemic derailed that particular plan, but regardless, it's pretty cool for me to be sitting here in 2024 and still be sitting down with you all to record this podcast. So thank you for being here. It is a very snowy day here in the Southern tier and, you know, I'm cozy and warm in my blanket and my nice little cushy area to try to cut down on some of the echoes up here in my apartment. And let's go ahead and get started. Since the last time we sat down, some things have changed for Syracuse, mostly on the blue line. But the one thing that hasn't changed, which truth be told, I was a little bit surprised to see, but nevertheless excited by it, is Syracuse's place in the standings. The Syracuse Crunch is currently second place in the North Division, which is exactly where they were the last time I spoke to you all. The points in the North Division have gotten a little bit closer together than the last time we talked. Cleveland, who Syracuse is actually playing this Saturday, has pulled ahead of the other teams in the North with 47 points in 33 games played. Syracuse has 38 points in 32 games played, so they do have a game in hand on Cleveland. Um, I'm not entirely sure if Cleveland plays today. They do not. Nope, I don't believe they do. So Syracuse will burn the game in hand that they had on Cleveland today when they play Toronto at 4 o'clock this afternoon, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get this podcast out a little bit earlier than normal, because they do play this afternoon. So hopefully this will be a nice primer for you all. In third place in the North Division is Belleville with 34 points. So Syracuse only is only four points ahead of Belleville at this point in time. Um, also with 34 points in fifth, no, I'm sorry, fourth place in the North Division is the Rochester Americans. Fifth place is Toronto with 31, sixth place is Laval with 29, and seventh place with 25 points is the Utica Comets. Syracuse has its work cut out for it in the coming weeks, especially as roster instability still continues to to kind of rock Syracuse back and forth. However, the crunch has managed to keep things going. Like I said, just about a month ago, they were in second place. They are still in second place. Their previous 10 is a relatively mediocre 4-4-2-0. So they've won four games, 
They've lost four games in regulation. They've lost two games in overtime. They've lost no games in the shootout. What's important, obviously, is that they continue to beat the teams they need to beat in the North Division to maintain their position in those playoff spots and that they find a way to win despite all of the roster instability that the team has had over the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately for Syracuse, the Lightning has found itself with a lot of injury trouble on the blue line. This absolutely has affected Syracuse's own blue line, and they have seen a lot of call-ups and send-downs and NHL debuts and PTOs signed by defensemen in the past couple of weeks. Um, And actually, looking at the transaction list for Syracuse, the defenseman situation goes back right to the middle of December, which is when the Lightning started having trouble with their defense. And if you all will remember, faithful Syracuse Speaks listeners will know that myself and many members of the fan base have had concerns about Syracuse's blue line dating back to this past summer. It was very clear that Darren Radish was not going to be returning to Syracuse, that he had found a place on the Lightning's blue line, which is fantastic. Good for him. That's the way this is supposed to work. But Syracuse lost Darren Radish, and then they lost Trevor Carrick to free agency. He went and signed with another organization. And the Lightning didn't re-sign another veteran defenseman for Syracuse. So last season, Syracuse had Philip Myers, Trevor Carrick, and Darren Radish all at various points throughout the season. Sometimes, um, I'm not entirely sure if if I remember correctly, I don't think all three of them ever played for the crunch at the same time. But there were three rotating veteran defensemen coming and going to Syracuse throughout the season. So when Darren Radish permanently made the lightning, it wasn't such a big deal for Syracuse because they still had two veteran defensemen to pick up the slack. This season, Syracuse just has Myers. That's the only veteran defenseman on the roster. That has concerned me all along because those vets play a really big role in developing players, developing young players, and holding down the fort, keeping things calm, setting the example. They're usually the guys that are that are that are the workhorses. They're out there playing the major minutes. That those, you know, the vets are important on AHL teams. And they're also one of the first people to get call up, called up when there's injuries. So then you lose those players. And if there's not a veteran to take their place, that's that's a pretty gaping hole to try to fill in a league where players are young. You know, in most cases, unless a player is coming over from Europe, the minimum age for the American Hockey League is 20. That's young. These are guys that are at the very beginning of their pro career. So you need those older guys to be the stable influence. And when you don't have that, things can get a little dicey. Syracuse has had a lot of transactions affecting their blue line. You know, Myers has gotten called up, I don't know, four to three different times over the past month or so. Uh, Sean Day has made that trip one, two, 
three different times between Syracuse and no, four different, three different times between Syracuse and the Lightning. Um, Declan Carlisle made his NHL debut. Jack Thompson made his NHL debut. And Emil Lilleberg made his NHL debut over the past, I don't know, week or so. Those are all young defensemen that went up to Tampa and made their NHL debut. Congratulations to them. Um, in, in the meantime, you know, Syracuse now has two players from the ECHL signed to PTOs or professional tryout contracts. Chris Harper, welcome to the team. Ryan Orgel, welcome to the team. Um, these are guys that come from outside of the organization. They are not necessarily meant to stay in the organization. Sometimes players do get signed to actual contracts, not just tryout contracts, because of their debut on a PTO. Um, Halverson, who was the goalie that came in when the organization had a ton of goalie trouble at the beginning of this season, he worked his way into a AHL contract with the Crunch, and he is with Orlando right now. So in case Syracuse needs him, they can recall him. Um, that's a great example. So sometimes these professional tryout guys do work their way into an AHL contract. Uh, but right now, you know, Syracuse's blue line is um, looking, you know, a little young. Um, Zachary Masakati also was recalled from Orlando to fill in a hole on the blue line, and he is still with Syracuse. So the crunch has had a lot of adjusting to do over the past couple of weeks. So it's not really a surprise that they have struggled more so than we saw in the beginning of the season with the games that they have been playing as of late. However, Syracuse did put in most recently a very strong performance against Toronto that took place last night, um, January 6th, 2024. And one of the things that continues to work really well for the crunch is that the scoring is still coming from up and down Syracuse's roster. Uh, we talked a lot last season about how Syracuse's major weakness was the simple fact that they weren't getting secondary scoring. They weren't getting scoring from all up and down the roster. Their scoring was very much clustered up at the top percentage of the team's players. And because of injuries, because of call-ups, that's not sustainable for AHL teams to maintain any kind of consistent success, especially deep into the playoffs. So Syracuse continues to see a nice spread of points in its top 10 and, and really even its top 20 players. Um, you know, the the number one player on the team currently with points um, is Gage Gonsalves. He has 29 points. Down in position 20 on the team, you have Max Crozier with seven. So that spread is not as big as it was last year. And if you look at just the top 10, you start with Gonsalves' 29, and then you go down to Kepke's 11 at 10. So that is a really nice spread. Um, Gage Gonsalves has actually managed to work himself into the top 20 
in the league in scoring. I think the last time I looked, I think he was 16th or 17th in the league overall in points. So that's also encouraging because Syracuse has definitely missed out a little bit on having that player with the with the amount of firepower that you know, say an Alex Barry Boulay has brought to the team over the past couple of seasons. So it is nice to see Gonsalves kind of stepping out in front and taking on that role and being that consistent guy that the team needs him to be. But it's also nice to see that the the support is coming from up and down the roster, despite some of the upheavals that that roster has seen. Now, many of you who follow me on social media and who have tuned into the podcast over the last couple of of weeks are expecting, I am sure, my much-anticipated sorting of the team into their Hogwarts houses. That will come soon. Um, I am planning on it actually being in the second segment of this podcast today just because I figured I would get all of this out of the way first for people who don't care. Uh, and then if you choose to not listen to the sorting ceremony today, I am, I am okay with that. I completely understand. So, you know, as I said, Syracuse had a really strong performance against Toronto last night. Um, Gabriel Dumont scored a goal. Jack Finley scored a gorgeous goal. Um, And then Joe Carroll actually cashed in twice, and Cole Kepke scored twice. So Syracuse was victorious over Toronto in a 6-3 win last night. Uh, Matt Tompkins got the victory in net. And as always with these back-to-back games that the teams play in this league, it will be very interesting to see how today's game against Toronto goes. You know, if there will be any carryover from last night's game. Um, You know, this league this season in particular has had a lot of these back-to-back games where teams play the same team in, you know, two, two times in a row. And it's been very interesting to see how they handle it. Sometimes you can definitely see the frustrations boil over fairly early in the game and other times it's like they haven't seen each other in months. So it will be interesting to see where that goes today. As we peek ahead at the upcoming schedule, um, after today's game in Toronto, Syracuse will get a little bit of a break. For the last couple of weeks, they have had this pattern where they play on Wednesday and then they play twice in the weekend, whether it would be a Friday, Saturday or a Saturday, Sunday. Um, It's been very consistent over the last couple of weeks. They get a break from that this week and Syracuse doesn't play again until they play this Friday, January 12th at home against Springfield. So Syracuse is going to be welcoming in some teams from the Atlantic division. Um, during this period, and Springfield is currently sixth in the Atlantic with 37 points. And that just shows you, yet again, how competitive that Atlantic division is when compared to the North division, because Springfield's 37 points is only good for sixth place over there. Meanwhile, Syracuse's 38 is good for second in the North. 
Uh, for those of you who haven't been paying too much attention to the Atlantic Division, uh, the Hershey Bears currently lead that division with 56 points, which not only leads that division, but also leads the league. The defending Calder Cup champions are sure looking like they are poised to make another deep run this year, barring any surprises or unfortunate circumstances. So definitely a team to kind of keep an eye on if you haven't been paying them that much attention so far. So Springfield comes into town on Friday, January 13th, which is a Saturday. The Cleveland Monsters will be coming into Syracuse. And as I said, that is the much anticipated second night of the Crunch Con series. This is the Wizarding Night game. And after the jump, I will share what the team has released so far about what that night will entail. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get some more concrete details in the next couple of days as to what will actually go on in that game. Uh, On January 15th, which is a Monday, Syracuse is playing their annual Martin Luther King Jr. Day game. It is a one o'clock matinee against the Utica Comets. Are we surprised? No. When you have a game that's kind of at a weird time, you play your biggest rival in the league because money. So Utica comes into the War Memorial on the 15th at 1 o'clock. On Friday the 19th, Syracuse will face off against Providence. Again, another Atlantic Division opponent. Providence is currently third in the Atlantic with 40 points. Uh, January 20th, Saturday, Utica Comets come into the War Memorial again (laughs) for the 900th time this season. And that night for promotions, we are looking at 90s night. This is a night that I am also very excited about. I was an 80s baby who grew up, you know, I spent the majority of my, the majority of my formative years in the 90s. I am... Very much looking forward to the music and the throwbacks and the fashion and all of that. Um, I have an outfit planned for myself that I am very much looking forward to wearing. So, you know, that theme night should be really fun. And that should pretty much take us right through until I have the next episode of this podcast to record. So, you know, a really nice spread of opponents for Syracuse over the next couple of weeks, a couple of good tests, like when Cleveland that, you know, the team that currently leads the North division comes into town on Saturday, that'll be a good test for Syracuse. I don't know if any of the lightning's defensemen will manage to get themselves healthy between now and then so that maybe Syracuse could get some, you know, players back that belong with them. But, uh, I guess we'll just have to see. But there's a couple of Atlantic Division component, you know, opponents coming in, which are always fun because the Atlantic Division is a little bit more competitive than the Syracuse's own North Division. So those are good tests. And then, of course, the Utica game. So a really nice spread for the Crunch over the next couple of weeks. It'll be very interesting to see how their roster and, you know, with everything going on, um, how the team responds. If this was a little bit of a um, higher quality podcast that could afford the rights to 
certain parts of the Harry Potter audiobooks. I would have loved to insert the section of the books that always had the Sorting Hat song into this part because I would think that would be a neat transition. Unfortunately, we have less than a, than a shoestring budget over here, so that's not possible. But um, for those of you who have stuck around for this segment, welcome to the buffoonery that I am about to impart on to you. This Saturday is the Syracuse's first Wizarding Night game, and I am just I am I am very excited. The weather is not it, I think it's going to be okay on Saturday. I'm I'm keeping an eye on it because obviously when I first saw that this night was scheduled for a game in January, my first thought was the weather better not keep me from being able to go. Uh so when we look at the Crunch's current description for Saturday night, they talk about uh, dressing up as characters from their favorite wizarding movie franchise. So keep in mind that this is not just for Harry Potter. There's a lot of different franchises out there that feature wizards. So, you know, do it up. You don't just have to do Harry Potter. I focus primarily on Harry Potter just because I am also a Lord of the Rings fan. I know y'all are probably shocked that this geek is also, well, I guess I'm more of a nerd, but anyways, semantics aside, I'm sure you all are shocked to know that I am also a Lord of the Rings fan. In fact, fun fact, um, my very first tattoo was the word crunch in Elvish. Um, so that tells you something about me. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, you can do that. You know, there's there's Dungeons and Dragons that has wizards. There are a lot of wizards out there. So, you know, it doesn't just have to be Harry Potter. My focus is Harry Potter, but it doesn't just have to be Harry Potter. Um, it says that tables will be set up on the concourse with various interactive stations, including the ability to get sorted into your house. Now, I don't need this. Um, I have <laughs> I've been a Hufflepuff ever since. Uh, my very first sorting. And I have sorted myself several times since then. My students have sorted me several times since then. And every single time I am a Hufflepuff. This will not change. But, you know, I do think that's cool that they have that. And um, one of the things that is that is also neat about this night is that a portion of the proceeds from Wizarding Night ticket sales will benefit Paige's Butterfly Run. And, you know, I think that when you look at a lot of these franchises, Harry Potter included, they're for they're for kids. So, you know, it's nice to have them having a nonprofit organization that is focused on pediatric cancer patients and supporting their families get a portion of that evening's ticket sales because, you know, you usually start as a fan of Harry Potter when you're a kid. So I do think that that is a nice touch to the evening. Um, like I said, I'm really hoping we're going to find out a little bit more information throughout the coming couple of days about what else this night may have. But focusing in on the 
ability to get sorted into your house. Now, whether they are going, it does not say that whether they're going to go with like the traditional Harry Potter houses or if they're going to come up with their own. Obviously, for copyright reasons, these teams need to be a little bit careful with what they do because um, she who shall not be named loves herself some copyright. Um, so they do have to be a little bit careful. And I understand that. But me personally, I don't, I don't really, you know, I'm not doing anything here that I think is going to be flagged by anything. One of the big aspects of Harry Potter is the house system within the wizarding school that the, the book mainly operates in. So the school that all of the kids go to to learn how to control their magic and um, really develop into young adults, um, the, the place is called Hogwarts. And Hogwarts has four houses. Now, as an American fan, I don't really think that I originally realized that this house system is actually kind of a hallmark of traditional schools in like the England Commonwealth countries, the, the English Commonwealth countries. Um, basically, you, you allocate students to specific houses because it, it's like it's a boarding school. So those houses become kind of the, the kids' built-in family as they go through their years at this boarding school. Hogwarts operates in the same manner. There are four houses in Hogwarts. There's Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Those houses were named after the four founders of the school, and each of those founders valued certain traits and certain things. And one of the things that the Hogwarts, the Hogwarts houses um, operate on is what their members value the most in their personalities, in their lives, and each house has certain values assigned to it. I talk a lot about this because one of the things about Harry Potter is that most people will be able to find a place where they belong within the world of Harry Potter. And I know that that's one of the things that has always meant the most to me. Uh, this might shock some of you, just like the, you know, the knowledge that I am a nerd that also loves Lord of the Rings. Um, but I, I once had a little bit of a hard time fitting in. I have now accepted a lot about myself at, at you know, I'm 38 years old, uh, but it's been a road. And Harry Potter gave me a safe place to go. Harry Potter gave me a group to belong to. And a lot of kids and young adults and older adults need that. And so, you know, Harry Potter is a lot more to a lot of people than just a story. So when we look at these houses and how they embody what someone values as a person, you know, it, it's a really interesting way to belong somewhere with people who you identify with. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a interesting concept, I think, to, to kind of base this story around. 
Um, the books themselves focused mostly on the House of Gryffindor, which is the house that I am actually going to start with. And it did that because the trio, Harry Potter and his friends Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley, they were all Gryffindors. So you get mostly a look into the lives of Gryffindors throughout the film series. Um, if we're looking at the franchise as a whole, Hufflepuffs, which is my personal house, do get their moment in the sun in the Fantastic Beasts franchise because that main character, Newt Scamander, is a Hufflepuff, and so is his brother, Theseus. So they get a little bit of a spotlight in that series, but since that series doesn't take place in Hogwarts, it visits Hogwarts every now and then, but it doesn't take place within the walls of Hogwarts for the most part. You don't really see that world. The film franchise mostly focuses on Gryffindor. So Gryffindors as a whole, their values are bravery, helping others, and chivalry. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to be a little controversial here. When I first did this exercise years ago, when I wrote for Raw Charge, I think it was Raw Charge. I don't think I was with Field Pass Hockey yet. I'm pretty sure it was Raw Charge. I sorted Gabriel Dumont, who is the current team captain, into Slytherin. And at the time, I stood by that because of the values of Slytherin House, ambition, cunningness, resourcefulness. You know, at the time, I think Gabriel Dumont still really held NHL ambitions. I think that he, you know, was very resourceful in his play and how he operated in the ice and on the dressing room, on the ice and in the dressing room, sorry. <laughs> um, but one of the interesting aspects of this whole house system is that students in, in Hogwarts are sorted when they are 11 years old when they first come to Hogwarts. And then they stay in that house. There's no resorting, you know, until they're they're 17. Like from years one through seven in Hogwarts, they stay in the same house, regardless of how they change or grow. Dumbledore actually said, um, and Dumbledore is the headmaster of Hogwarts through most of the fran film franchise, no spoilers, but I'm just going to say it's through most of it. Um, he actually wonders at one point if they sort too early. I think Gabriel Dumont was sorted a little bit too early because I am now changing my tune and switching him to Gryffindor. So Gabriel Dumont, you are our first Gryffindor sortie today. Um, welcome to your house. Along with... Dumont. I have also sorted Tristan Allard, Mitchell Chaffee, Ilya Usayu, Emil Lilleberg, Matt Tompkins, and Phil Myers into Gryffindor. Some of these I had really strong feelings about just from the way that they, they play, from the way that they help develop others, from, you know, some of their, maybe a little bit of their headstrong <laughs> attitude. Um, Gryffindor's, you know, headstrong um, impulsiveness <laughs> that tends to go along with some of the bravery <laughs> pieces that you see. Um, so, you know, some of these I had a really strong reaction. Others like Tristan Allard, who I don't know very well, I just kind of like my gut was like they were Gryffindor, so I just went with it. So those are 
the players that I have sorted into Gryffindor. I would absolutely love if those of you who are listening have an opinion on this. Shoot your opinions my way on social media. Um, I would absolutely love to hear your opinions. Now we come to my house, Hufflepuff. And Hufflepuffs value hard work, patience, loyalty, and fair play. So the players that I have sorted into Hufflepuff, right off the bat, we have Gabriel Fortier, Joe Carroll, and Gage Gonsalves. These players, I think, embody this idea of hard work and patience because they are guys who have embraced their role on the minor league team. They have worked hard. They've shown patience and there and and a, a certain amount of loyalty, I think, especially in like Gabriel Fortier to the organization. But they are also, you know, being really patient in their developmental process. So, you know, Joe Carroll in particular, he has shown a lot of progress this season just from where he was in October to now. So I placed those three players in Hufflepuff. I also placed newcomers Ryan Orgel, Chris Harper, and Zachary Masakati um, in Hufflepuff, <laughs> mostly because I don't know enough about them. And Helga Hufflepuff, who is the, the founder that the house is named after, said these words, I'll take the lot and treat them just the same. So, you know, on the negative view of things, Hufflepuff has sometimes been viewed as the house of leftovers. They're the, they're said to be the house that if no one else belongs anywhere else, they, they just go to Hufflepuff. And I don't view that in the way that I think it's intended. I think it's beautiful. As, a, as someone who's a former teacher who really tried to embody this ideal of I'll take the lot and treat them just the same. I think that there's a value in being a house where people can go if they don't know where else they belong. So I'm going to put those three in Hufflepuff. Um, and I'm doing that with the utmost respect and knowing that they will find a home within that house regardless of circumstances. My last two players that I am placing in Hufflepuff, I feel like might have a little bit of, of controversy around them, but I'm doing it anyway, because this idea of hard work and loyalty in particular speaks to these two players, Daniel Walcott, Devante Stevens. Now, I am a Hufflepuff. I'm a proud Hufflepuff. So to me, placing anybody in Hufflepuff is not controversial. But when you think of those two players, you might not originally consider them as Hufflepuffs. If you know the series and you know Hufflepuffs, you might be a little bit like, huh. But when I think about Walcott's, Walcott and Stevens, they work so hard. They are very loyal. You know, Walcott has been in the same organization for years, and Stevens came back to the organization after an absence. And I also think that that one of the other aspects of Hufflepuff that fits these two players is the fair play aspect. You know, Walcott in particular is someone who is not afraid to not only stick up for his teammates, 
in in the idea of of you know fair play and and what he sees as fair play in his eyes, but also for the Syracuse community, and for and for the the marginalized members of the Syracuse community, and for for those going through hard times in the Syracuse community. We have seen it times and time and time again. And Stevens, being a little bit of an older player, I don't think he's yet considered a veteran. Um, but, you know, he has that that patience about him of having to figure out where he belongs in minor league and, and you know, work really hard to, to show that, you know, to the Lightning organization that, hey, I'm someone you want back again. You know, so, so that's why I placed those players in Hufflepuff. Come at me with your opinions. I'm really curious to see what you think about placing them in that house. Next up is the Ravenclaw house. And Ravenclaws value intelligence, knowledge, planning ahead, and wit. So these are the players who, like, when you hear the phrase high hockey IQ, which I don't know why I have a hard time saying every single time. I don't know. It's like the two H's confuse me. But regardless, these are those players. They're Ravenclaws. They have that high hockey IQ. They see the ice really well. They can plan ahead really well. You know, their, their knowledge of the game, their intelligence is clear in the way that they play. These are the players I placed in Ravenclaw. Maxime Groshev, Lucas Edmonds, Jack Finley, Declan Carlisle, Jack Thompson, and Hugo Alnafel. Some of those players are currently on recall to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but in my heart, at least at this point in time, they are still members of the Syracuse Crunch, so I still chose to sort them. So if you are those players, welcome to Ravenclaw House. I am sure that your fellow House members from previous Crunch years will be happy to be of service to you should you need it. Last, but certainly not least, we come to Slytherin House. If you know anything about the series, you will know that members of Slytherin House are uh, generally not exactly the nicest people. However, there are notable exceptions within the series. There's not enough notable exceptions, but there are some that have Slytherin people as 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 positive role models and proof that just because you have some of these values doesn't mean you're not a good person. So Slytherin, as I said earlier, values ambition, cunningness, and resourcefulness. Um, Slytherin also values heritage, but 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 that 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 ends up usually being a little bit of a veil for racism. <laughs> so I'm leaving that out of this because in the books and the, the movies, it absolutely serves a purpose because a lot of, well, yeah, most of the members of Slytherin House are what you call pure blood wizards. They're wizards that come from a family of wizards. So, you know, dating back to whenever everybody was a wizard, there's no non-magical blood in their families, which again, can it, it 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 it's racism i mean it, it's not based on like our view of racism which is skin color but i mean it's it's a metaphor for racism so you know we're going to we're going to ignore that because obviously like in his plot you need conflict 
that is specifically there to be part of the conflict. And it's a valuable piece of conflict. It sends valuable and powerful messages to the readers and the watchers. But it's not something we really need to consider right now. So we're going to leave it aside and just focus on ambition, cunningness, and resourcefulness. (laughs) So in this group, we have Sean Element, Felix Robert, Cole Kepke, Walteri Morella, Max Crozier, and Sean Day. These are the players, when I think about them, I think about their ambition and their career. You know, Robert, perfect example, how far he's come this year, how much he has grown um, and made himself into, you know, he's made himself a part of the conversation around this team. He is currently third on the roster with 21 points, 10 goals, 11 assists. He actually leads the Syracuse Crunch in goals. So he has made himself part of this conversation. He has the resourcefulness to do that. Um, Kepke, you know, you, you talk about someone, a resourceful player. He has really shown that, you know, he knew he needed to have a big year this year. He has that ambition to make the NHL. He's doing it. Element, you want to talk about someone with ambition and resourcefulness? Element, perfect example of the good aspects of Slytherin House. So those are the players that I placed into Slytherin. Harry Potter is important because as Movies with Mikey on YouTube, who operates under Film Joy, I reference him a lot because his analyses of Harry Potter is so spot on. It matters who our heroes are. Harry Potter is a series, a franchise that embodies the idea that it matters who we pay attention to, it matters who we trust, and it matters who our heroes are. That is why Harry Potter as a franchise is something that I will continue to celebrate. And that is why I have chosen to separate the art from the artist because I don't think that its creator embodies the values that match with the story. It matters. The values of of acceptance and family and found family, so much of Harry Potter focuses on found family. And really, isn't that what we are here? We're, we're a found family. My audience is a found family. The fan base is a found family. The AHL community is a found family. It matters. And that is why I love Harry Potter. And I am so excited that the crunch is embracing it and that I get to celebrate one of the most important franchises in my life at one of the most important communities and found families in my life. I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. 
I crave interactions and feedback. So please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. And I'm still calling it Twitter because I refuse to call it the new name. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, as always, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. Keep taking care of each other out there in crunch land, and I will see you next time.